All right. Well, welcome back. And I am so glad uh, and honored on this Father's Day to have my father-in-law, Curtis Carpenter, who's also joined by his dad, David Carpenter. It's really crazy. Yeah. And he's going to present uh, the word that we're going to be uh, reading and proclaiming today. Go ahead, Curtis. So the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And when he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Curtis. Appreciate that. Well, we are in the Gospel of Mark, and uh, this painting is, so this painting is this painting, and if you're wondering who did that great painting, did you just get that off the internet? No. People at our church have talent and skill. This is Nicole Troop's artwork, and so when you see her, make sure you tell her awesome job of painting the four soils, and that's going to be a part of our Wells Branch Community Church lore for many years. Uh, so grateful. So anyway, what we're talking about this morning, when the, when the gospel of Mark is the four soils, and you're probably like anybody, if you're new here, and you're like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're giving me some random story about agrarian society, and I have not farmed since ever, okay? And I get that. And so one of the things we love to do is answer all your questions. I will go and research farming, and uh, Cody Sparks owns a ranch, and so therefore we have all, and he's a country singer, so therefore we have all things you need to know about tractors and farms and all things like that, all right? But we'd love to answer all your questions here at pastorplate.com or just text questions in at the number on the screen. We would love to communicate with you. Now, it is Father's Day. And so we're going to do a good try and weave in Father's Day with the four soils. And uh, basically, I'm going to come up with this, is that what you see what God's doing is he's presenting a picture of the kingdom. And there's one thing that, in general, dads love to do is tell stories. 
Right? We've got some great dad stories. They usually call them war stories. Even if you've never been to combat, you probably had your dad tell a story. And you're wondering, was that really true? But it didn't really matter because the truth that was presented was what your dad was trying to get at. Uh, my dad was a... Uh, he spent his life kind of on the wild side for a while, and he was a race car driver, like literally like a race car driver. I still have his, I, for Halloween every now and then, I wear his uh, little race car jumpsuit thing, and uh, it's, it's fun. But what he would do when he was, uh, you know, when I was little, he would tell me stories about Road America and having a McLaren on the racetrack, and that's a race car if you don't know what that is. And then, or he, was, he would also race old British uh, sports cars, MGs, and Triumphs, and it was just really fun, and I would learn about engines, and I love that, and I just love the picture of just, of that, and I love working with my dad on the car. In fact, it kind of had, had such an impact on me that when I went to college, I chose my major. I mean, this is what, this is like, would, you know, make the rest of my four years of college miserable, but I uh, chose mechanical engineering because I could know something about engines because my dad knew stuff about engines, and I thought that'd be really great because of the picture that my dad had painted for me. Now, why am I telling you all that? What God, the ultimate father, wants to do is give you a picture for your life, and hopefully it will inspire you to choose the ma- what you major in for the rest of your life. To be about all about him. And so that's why I feel like what happens for us, when, when we try and paint pictures for you, like literal paint pictures for you, we can kind of do, we, we can kind of resist it. When we, when we don't, when we resist God's design, when we can't see God's word as a picture for how life is supposed to be, or maybe how this, how it is. Because I think what happens when some of us hear the story, we go, nice story, bro. And we move it on. But, Not only is God's word a picture, but this picture represents you. And when you start to represent you, it's like a mirror. And so then therefore it kind of like you see into the heart. And so that's why what God's word also does is it's a mirror to your soul. And if you miss that, if you miss how God wants to speak to you, that when you look deep into his word, it reveals to you the darkness and the wickedness of your own heart. And then he's saying, like, it's time to transform, not conform to the world. And then finally, um, God wants us to see his word as a window. Like, God is giving us vision, right? And so here we are on the other side, and we're like, we're looking through where his word wants us to take us. But if our window gets cluttered and dirtied and smeared by stuff of the world, we can no longer see where God wants to take us. And then we get confused when the window becomes a door and then the door becomes a wall. And we're wondering what happened. And so this morning, uh, that's where we're going to go as we look intently into God's word uh, so that he can reveal to us where we are, where he wants to take us. All right, so would you guys mind praying with me as we open up God's word to, uh, our, so our hearts can be focused on him? God, we thank you. We're asking that you'd open up your word, that you would challenge us, that the darkness of our hearts would not cloud the picture you have for us, that uh, our own smears on the mirror of our own soul wouldn't cloud God's word from revealing to us where uh, we can change and be transformed. And God, I pray that you would help us see really clear through the window that you're providing for us as a picture of where you want to take those who have uh, taken on the word of God and made it their own. Lord, we love you. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...
All right. So we're in Mark chapter 4. That's on page 839 in the Bibles we have surrounding you somewhere. If you don't have a Bible, man, borrow ours. Take ours home. This is our gift to you. We want everyone to have a copy of God's Word. We love God's Word. We base our whole life on God's Word. But what we read in Mark 4, verses 1 uh, through 9, was essentially this, that we, we, we saw that um, God gave us an agrarian uh, picture. So here's Jesus. He's like, all right, check it out, everybody. A sower goes out to sow. He, throw, he broadcasts, just chucks seed all over the place. Some seed lands on the path, which makes it perfect food for birds. They're like, sweet, don't have to work for that one. And then they take it away. The enemy takes it away. And then some, some falls on rocky soil, and it goes, grows up a little bit, but then the sun comes out, <laughs> fries it, and then it dies. And then also you've got the, the seed that falls on weedy soil, and then all of a sudden it gets choked out, and it never is able to bear fruit. But for, I don't know, a quarter of the seeds or some of the seeds, they fall on good soil, and they bear fruit 30, 60, 100 times. All right? So then Jesus goes, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you're like, okay, got it, got it. So Jesus is kind of pointing out some truth we should be getting from all this. But if you are watching at home or keeping score, you're like, I have no idea what you just said. I don't know anything about farms. And so I want to kind of help you out. Why is he doing it like this? Okay, why? Here's why. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12. And I love the fact it's not the 12. So the 12 disciples, you know, Peter, James, John, and the gang. Well, they're not the ones asking questions because they're probably too proud. They don't want to look dumb in front of everybody else. But everyone around them is like, what are you talking about, Jesus? If they're not going to ask, we are. So I appreciate those guys. And they asked him about the parables. And then he goes, and then he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Okay, disciples, you guys who have been following me, I'm about to reveal to you the secret of the kingdom of God. To which you're like, ooh, the great secret, what is it? But for those outside, this would mean like religious leaders, people are like, nah, Jesus, me, just, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Uh, I, I'm not for you. You're gonna miss it. Everything is in parables. And here we're gonna give the big why. Whenever, just for fun fact, whenever you read the Bible and you read so that, so that, that means purpose. Purpose. You're about to hear a big purpose statement. Does any, any other English people like get excited about those kind of things? All right. All right. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand. To which you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Don't you want people to see and don't you want people to hear? And then it has this last little ringer, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he's quoting uh, Isaiah 6, which you're like, why would God put that in the Bible? He doesn't want anyone to understand. The Bible's already hard enough. Why are you making it trickier? Well, and the reason for that is if you put it in parables, and you, I don't know if you guys know this, there are people who are not exactly thrilled about Jesus stories. Did you guys know that? Did you know we're in Austin, Texas, and people are like, <laughs> you guys are crazy. And so to make sure that they um, are not going to be given a, a greater amount, it's more merciful. So there's no, if the less you understand, the less you can be accountable for. And so because they're not seeking, they're not going to find. Because they're not knocking, no door is going to be open. Because they're not asking, they're not going to be given. Does that make sense? And so the reality of Jesus preaching in parables was to grant mercy to those who would not get it anyway. Okay? All right. Now, to which you're like, well, I don't get it and I want to. Well, that's why we're here. All right. So 
watch this. So he quotes from Isaiah 6, and then he's going to kind of reveal this thought to us. God's word provides a picture of how his word is to be received. So let's, let's go back to this, because I know this is just really too much fun for me. Um, this is an agrarian principle. Okay, everyone's like, yes. But you know this is also entrepreneurship principle. This is also multi-level marketing principle. This is all everything of life. This is gravity. I'm showing you a picture of truth. Whether you want to believe in Jesus or not, you believe this. What? Well, do seeds grow without work by you? Well, yeah. Okay, then you understand this principle. Okay, now, here's what I want you to see. Is that um, I, have, I have lots of friends, in fact, um, that are like entrepreneurial uh, people and one of my friends is uh, Matt Teifke and he is Teifke Real Estate uh, and I love it because I watch all of his social media like uh, Instagram reels where he's telling us all about real estate to which I have learned here's the one thing I've learned about Austin Real Estate here this is for free by the way never sell okay that's it that's what you need to learn never sell just lease okay in case you were wondering how it works that's how you become successful according to Matt all right so but what he does he broadcasts about a bazillion little instagram uh, reels a bazillion facebook stories tiktok videos it's going the whole goal is to broadcast 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 in fact the term broadcast is from this parable broadcast casting the seed because you never know when you cold call somebody, because this is what real estate people do, they call, cold call somebody and they're like, you're an idiot, hang up. And you're like, okay, keep moving. Now, you could get discouraged at that point and be like, I quit. But, you know, you keep going. And then you call somebody and they're like, oh, man, I'm so glad you called. I was looking to sell my house. And then, like, he talk, the guy talks to his wife and he says, don't ever call me again. Right? And then that happens, right? Because they don't, that was the dream house. They're never going to sell. They somehow heard that on one of his Instagram reels. All right, so they're not selling. So that person seemed excited but then bailed. And then they're about to close on the contract. They got the deal all worked out. But then someone gets too worried that there's not a good enough deal and they want to don't want to commit to anything and they pull out last second. Like, ah! Hence that's real estate. But then every now and then you get one. And then that one gives a referral. And then that gives a referral. And next thing you know, you are a real estate tycoon, okay? This is true, true principle, true principle. And what I feel like happens uh, is that when we look at God's word, we can look at it like, oh, that's, that's a good principle. Yay for principles. I like, li listen, and if, you don't, if you're not a Christian here and you're like, hey, the Bible has some great principles. It does. It'll make your, it's great for the economy. It's great for, to make people successful. It is a, it's just truth. But here's what happens. I think for some of us, it becomes academic. It becomes um, about the world and not about me. It becomes about uh, an economic force, a principle. I, I know people that tithe, not because they believe in Jesus, but because they said, it just works. I know that when I give money, money comes in, and I'm not going to mess the system up. And that's, that's fine. Because at least you understand the big picture of how God operates, but what you're missing is, is something transformational, okay? And I want to take you to this next part where Jesus then, he's going he's to interpret the parable and he's going to open up the mirror of our heart. Watch this. And he said to them, do you understand this parable? To which everyone's like, 
He asked the question. I didn't, you know, as we all would. Just be quiet and just let, don't ever answer Jesus when he asks. That's rhetorical. How then will you understand all the parables? Now, he's now going to talk for the ne- this whole section of scripture is about one thing. And every time you see this particular word show up, we need to all shout out this word because it's very important. You guys ready? All right, here we go. The sower sows the All right, you're going to hear this a bunch. And when we get off the word, we're still talking about the word. And the reason I want to tell you this is because at some point we're going to talk about some things you're like, that doesn't make any sense because you've forgotten to put the word back in the sentence. I'm going to help you though. Don't you worry. All right, so the sower sows the word. The word, what's the word? The word of God, which John the Baptist said, hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus shows up and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I'm the king. And all this word points to me. That's what Jesus was saying. Okay, all right. So then, here we go, verse 15. And these are the ones along the path. Okay, the path, that's over here, path, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Okay, good. Okay, so we've had this experience, and maybe this is why you, you don't do church anymore. Somebody... The, the word came, and you may have been at church, but somebody did something that made you go, I don't want to have anything to do with church. I'm, those people, the, uh, the scandal, uh, the way that person treated me, you, if you would have known my story, you would totally see why I would not get into the word. The enemy has stolen it because brought circumstance that made it too hard for that word to get planted, Okay. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. Rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. They might even say the sinner's prayer like, yes, Jesus. I literally had this happen the other day. I'm not even making this up. I go, okay, listen. Hey, do you know how you're doing salvation-wise? Do you know if, if you've recepted Christ? Well, I've never really talked about that. Well, let me show you some Bible verses. Let's talk about Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are you a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner. Awesome. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. What does that mean to you? Bad news for sinners. Okay, good. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I guess that's good news. Exactly. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's that mean? I guess that means Jesus died for me. Good. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What's that mean? If I believe, I'll be saved? Yes. Do you believe? Yes. Okay, that means you're saved. Let's pray. Okay, that's how it went. Maybe a little bit longer than that, but that's a, the basic gist. Literally the next day. Man, I'm so glad that you accepted Christ. What an exciting thing. What, what are you talking about? The, the thing last night that, you know, that we prayed, we talked about. Oh, we pray? I, oh, that's what that was? I don't know. Yeah, I really don't get it. And I just go, whoosh. Okay, um. Okay, I don't know what to tell you. But that happens, right? Like uh, the magic prayer doesn't save people. It's a transition of trust to Jesus. But this happens all the time. People get all excited. You've seen people, they get all excited, like, yay, Jesus, yay. And then about a week later, like, nah, too hard. Okay. And they have no root in themselves because they have no root. But endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution, or it's just really convenient because you have to go to church on Sunday, or, you know, you have to get out of bed or, you you know, do anything, uh, arises on account of the, immediately they fall away. 
away. Okay, I, I just love that it's, the word is in focus here. Okay, they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. Thorns. All right, so here they come. Uh, they're the ones who hear the But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of or for other things. So it's like pretty much catch-all. Because we all have a lot of other things that get way more important than Jesus. Especially in the morning when you wake up and you were going to read the Bible. But, I mean, does God know how late you stayed up last night and how, like, you? there was a show that was really good. And, like, how could you not? <laughs> so it gets really difficult. And you desire Netflix. And so, anyway, you enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Okay. Because I get it. it. Life's hard. Okay. Then, watch this. The last one. But there are those that were sown on the good soil. Th- are the ones who hear the word. And accept it and bear fruit. And they have a big field of tasty wheat. Uh, and they uh, and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. They hear it. They accept it, and then they bear fruit. Okay. Now, watch this next part. Remember, we're on the word. I, I want to emphasize this is what we're talking about. And he said to them, so we're not changing the subject. We're just changing the uh, figurative language. Is a lamp. Okay. Who remember? He goes, Okay, who can, who can name that tune? Oh, man. Let's sing it together. Ready? Thy. All right. That is how you know you have some people who grew up in church. For everyone else, you're like, what is these psycho people who have all these songs memorized? Uh, who, who even uses the word thy anymore? All right. Thy word is a lamp unto my It's a psalm. All right. So is a lamp, is a word, okay, brought, is, is a lamp brought, into be, brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? It's like, do you take your flashlight that you want to light up the room and then jam it in your pocket? No, you want to use it to light up everything. Okay, so that makes sense. You want God's word to light up your life. Okay, you're like, I got it, okay. For nothing, and this is the part where you get points for not understanding this because this is hard. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Okay. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. To which you mean, what are you talking about? All right, it's kind of like this. Does anybody here have anything of value that they don't like have out in the open all the time because you don't want it stolen? All right, I have a Michael Jordan rookie card. Okay, you may have heard me talk about my Michael Jordan rookie card. My dad gave it to me for like my twelfth uh, birthday, and I like have held on to it for many moons, and so it's re- really precious. It only comes out when I want to show it off to certain people who understand the value of a Michael Jordan rookie card. And so, if the, if my Michael Jordan rookie card stayed in, in its it's in a block like this thick, uh, and if then it stayed in the safe, in the vault, and the closet for no one ever to see, it would be what worthless because it's in there, but no one is getting to enjoy it. Now, I get it. There are some times when you sort of like, you don't waste your pearl among swine. You don't take your word and be like, let me go tell to the whole community who hates Jesus about God's word, because they're going to be like, oh yeah, your word's dumb, okay? And then we get that. And, but sometimes you do it anyway. But the reality is, there is t- if you don't ever present God's word, 
then it doesn't get to shine. That's why when people have really expensive artifacts, they put it, put it under guard at a museum so that people can go and see it. And that's how it is with God's word. I want it to be locked in your heart so that everywhere you go, people can see it. But if you don't guard it, and if you don't know it, then it can never shine through you. All right, now watch. So we're still on the word, right? Remember, we're talking about the word. If anyone has ears to hear, hear what? The word. Let him hear. What? And when he said, and then he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Hear what? Good. So all that is about the word. With the measure you use, measure you use what? Come on, you guys are still, yeah, stay with me here. Measure you use the, measure you use the word. So I'm going to go parent my children. Where do I go for that? The word. I'm going to go uh, work at uh, Google. Where, where do I go to learn how to do that? Oh, here. Ethics, principles, ethic, all of life is found here. And if you go anywhere else, then you don't get to use this because watch what happens when you use this, it. What's it? The word, the word will be measured to you. In other words, it's like a mirror that looks back at you and it goes, hey, I can see you and I'm reading you. And the measure you use the word, it then measures it to you, which is another way of saying it doubles down on you. You know, whenever you go play uh, roulette, which I know none of you probably here do, but when you go roulette and you go, you're going to put it all on black and you win, then you get double your money. It's a great how, do you, how would anyone know that? All right, so you have a, the reality is that's how that works. And you just wait till it's like seven or eight red in a row, and then it's almost guaranteed. All right, so that, that's kind of what you want to do. You want to take this, and you want to invest in it, and you're going to go all in on the word. And then it, when you go all in, it measures it to you so that you reap the reward of that. But watch, it's not just that you get double your money, and still more will be added to you. All right, so it's like this. Remember, because God is a father. One of the things that I, I love with my kids is I, like, I do errands, and I feel like all of life's greatest lessons are taught in errand running. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? It's like you can't have a planned talk with your kid because then they brace for it, and they're just like, what are we talking about? Are we going to talk about girls again? Please don't ever say that again. Right? Okay. So you get in the car, and you go like, so is anybody at school that's fun? And then they start talking. And they don't realize all the info they're giving up. All right. So what happened, that, that's called errand running. It's actually information gathering. It's a little CI. No, sorry, that we're, now in, we're not in the military. But you're gathering all your information. But while you do that, you're going and doing other productive stuff. So they think they're kind of going along for the ride. And then what I do is I sometimes buy ice cream or buy, you know, let them get a Snickers or do whatever. And so what Austin, my oldest, has learned, he's like, proximity equals reward. The closer that he is to dad, the more opportunity he has for good things to come. The younger ones haven't quite picked up on that. And so I said, who wants to go to the church land to mow the lawn? There's Austin. He's ready to go. Everybody else, you're going to do what? It's going to be hot. I said, what are we going to get? I don't know. Maybe nothing. I'm not going for that. And then every time Austin comes back with ice cream and he's dancing and, and he's figured it out, okay, because I, I see what he's put in, I measure it to him, and then I add a little bit more on top because there's blessing when you have a son that's in proximity. Okay, now, now, for the one who has the word, more will be given more ice cream, more joy, 
more opportunity, more blessing. Doesn't that sound like prosperity gospel? I'm just reading it here. I'm not saying this is like guaranteed monetary value. You'll be rolling in like a caddy with like it blinged out. But what I am saying is that there is blessing that comes from being in proximity to his word and then it being measured to you. And from the one who has not, those are like, nah, I'm good. I know this is probably important. I'm gonna get to it one day, but that day is not today. Even what he has will be taken away. And you know this to be true already. Because if you haven't read God's word in a while, you'd say something like, I know it's in there somewhere. You've said it. And it has no power. It has no power. In fact, here, here's the reality. Can I just, this is just like, do I, do I have any statisticians, science people, like they believe science, trust the science? If you are in God's word f- at least four times a week, like there's a dramatic difference between people who are in God's word three times a week and four times a week. There is power to overcome pornography, power to overcome addiction, power to save marriages, power to transform your life when you're in it four and like almost zero power when it's, you're in it three. But like, isn't that crazy? This isn't like just I'm making up stats. This is just the reality of that is just true because when you spend more time in God's word than you don't, then life looks different for you and God rewards those who are in proximity to him. And I'm gonna tell you why here in a sec. Look, God's word mirrors man's receptivity. So I'm gonna come and look at you guys here. Here's what happens when I read God's word, when I'm looking at the soils and I'm like, okay, there's the soils. I'm going to see if I can get to see this. Here's, here's the soil. I'm looking at me. I'm looking at the word, and it's just reflecting. I'm like, man, I got a rocky heart right now. I'm feeling burnt out. I need it. Either I quit or I lean in. We've all been there. Like, listen, I'm going to do the church thing. I'm going to, listen, I, I don't, listen, I'm busy. I got stuff. I got things that I really want, and I got to. But what's really happening, what happens is it reveals what's really in your heart. When you put this up, and it measures against your heart. It says, what do you really value? The things that you obey, that is your master. And so is this your master? To which like, whoa, Chris, come on. <laughs> let's not get out of control here. Let's, let's be a little bit more gentle with everybody. We're, we're in Austin. We don't, you know, we don't talk about these things. Listen, what happens is when you don't know the word, then you start making stuff up. And then your whole life is, maybe it's a couple degrees off, but then, you know, when you have a compass and you're like three degrees off and you go down about a mile, all of a sudden you're way lost. When you get off of this, you're way lost. And all of a sudden our hearts get jacked up. So, so look at this. I, because you want the and then some. You want the and then some. This is us. Remember, we had the abuse. We've had the hard stuff. The enemy has come in. He, the enemy is wreaking havoc on our churches. Do you guys know that? Like, uh, I just read a thing in, from Pew Research. Like, church attendance is at its lowest ever. Ever. And you're like, but I go to church every week. And I go, no, you don't. You come once a month, but it's cool. I love you. I'm, I'm glad to see you when you're here. But listen, what happens is, is you come, or what happens is that the, the seed gets on here, and there's something that happened in your past There's some sort of deal that happened and you're like, I don't do church because of that thing. You let the enemy steal the word. Let's just take a mirror to your soul. Remember, this is always true. It's like scary. You're like, okay, he 
he told the pastor I was coming. No, no, this is just reality. Everybody here is thinking the same thing. Okay, then, okay, you're like, but Chris, I, I tried it, I tried it, and then I got burnt out. I got a little scorched. I did the church thing. I did the Jesus thing. I got burnt out. I gave it my all. I gave it. I mean, I put in a couple years. You know what they gave me? A t-shirt. And you know what? I am sick and tired of these stupid t-shirts. I don't want one more t-shirt. And you're like angry at the very church you were like serving and pouring your life out for. And you're like, who are you doing it for? Okay, or, or you got choked out by work. You got choked out by the kids. They're just like, they had the grip on your soul. And you're like, we're going to run this house. You're going to do what I say. And you gave up. I get it. It's hard. That's why there's thistles and thorns. And they choke you out and prevent fruitfulness. But there are those here that you're like, man, I'm going in. And I'm going to just double down on Jesus. Okay. Was that too convicting? We'll keep moving. I, I remember... Um, it, this has impact. I remember when my dad died. My dad died about nine years ago. And um, after he died, my mom came up and said, hey, this is weird, but your dad told me um, he had a story that he was afraid that you would ever find out. And I'm like, ooh, juicy. What was it? And he's like, well, when he was like eight or nine, he uh, was in a field with some friends and the, he burned the field down. And I was like waiting for like the big punchline. And then they found a body or, you know, so I don't know. Uh, but that was it. It was like he burned the field down. And for some reason, the shame of that moment never left him. And so all of a sudden, what I realized about my dad is he couldn't get emotionally close to me because there was a barrier that sort of prevented him from drawing near because of some shame. I don't know if that was the wheat field shame of burning it down, but there was something there that prevented him from drawing close. And if he could have let God's word, watch this, penetrate his heart, say, you're loved. You are forgiven. There is great grace for you. Then maybe that would draw him out and we could have been even closer as he told me the great story of how his greatest failure because he listened to, you know, Bobby with the matches. I could have learned a lot from that. You, you know this. I, I love telling the stories of my failures to my kids. It's just weird later on when they start telling the stories of my failures to everybody else because they remember them word for word. And I'm like, okay, all right, I know that's anything I tell them, that's like public knowledge. But isn't there a beauty in that? But you see, when, the, when the God's word doesn't penetrate your heart, when God's word is not freeing your soul from the darkness, then you live in fear. And this is the thing that breaks you free. Okay, okay, okay. Let's, let's keep moving. I know it's, it's a lot. Verse 26, and Jesus said, Remember, we're still on the word. Have we left the word yet? No, no we have not left the word. And he said, the kingdom of God is as, as if a man should scatter, scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Clearly, they didn't have photosynthesis in first grade back then, okay? But what it means is, is he can't control the speed at which a blade of grass grows. I mean... Back then, at least, all right? So you just couldn't do that. Like, we haven't got artificial photosynthesis these days. I get it. But the reality is, this will happen whether you want it to or not. You put a seed in the ground, there's some water, it's going to grow. The earth produces by itself. And I'm going to get to the principle here of what, what he's saying here. First, the blade, 
Like you didn't do anything to get the blade. Then the ear, you didn't get anything to do the ear. Then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle. That's now his job hits. His job wasn't to get the blade. His job wasn't to get the ear. His job wasn't to get the full grain. His job is when it's ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The work that a man does is harvesting what the word has produced. And this is what makes it hard because this is about the the word. And so when it goes in you, you don't know what it's working in you. You can't even tell it's changing you. All of a sudden, you look a year later and you're like, whoa, I'm different. Now think about it. For those of you who have been in God's word, think about you a year ago. Think about you two years ago. And you're like, ugh. I think about me in, in the past couple years, the amount of growth and the amount, I'm like, oh gosh, I had to work through a lot of fears. I had to work through a lot of faith overcoming the darkness of my heart. Wow, I didn't realize I was so jacked up. And all of a sudden I become fruitful because God is working something in me. Okay. And he said, with what can we pair, compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? So now we're moving to the kingdom of God. It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And we could say garden seeds. The actual the epiphytic uh, orchid is the smallest of all seeds, but we're not you know, mincing words here. The point is it goes from small to big. Watch this. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. Okay, all the other garden plants, it's huge compared to the garden plants. And puts out large plant branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. It becomes big. It goes from really small to really big. God loves to take really small things and make them really big. He takes like, like small, insignificant people like Moses, who almost gets killed in the river, uh, to uh, uh, the leader of an entire nation. He likes to take guys like David, seventh born. He was like the oops kid. And then all of a sudden, he's the ruler of Israel. Like that's how that happens. God loves doing that. Okay. With many such parables, he spoke the Word to them as they were able to hear it. And I love that because most of us, we get little more than we can actually handle. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. God's word provides a window for the vision to grow his kingdom. Now, there's a kingdom that he wants to grow through you. And I don't know if that means that's going to be a biological growth, like he's literally going to grow people through you, or whether that's a spiritual growth, if he's going to develop disciples through you and he's going to use you to expand the kingdom of God. I don't know what that looks like. But I do know that when you get to the, to the right field, there's a, there's a great vision. And um, I could tell you that, that this is something that's really powerful, maybe even beyond even like your own lifetime. Because when you, when you look at this, I mean, I want you to look at this. You're like, we've all experienced different seasons of this. But I want you to stop for a second and just think, what would it look like just to get an entire, just think of the vision of you standing in front of the wheat field of, of fruitfulness. This is your why. If you know what this is, what does this look like? I want generations of generations of plec and poles to experience the goodness of God. That's what I want. I want, I want to grow young men uh, who love God, who love people, who make disciples, who sort of see the world as a place that all, endless opportunity, but place that needs absolute need of God's grace. That's what I want. 
And I'm so grateful to be in the midst of a family that generations ago had a vision like that. You know, my dad, when he was two, his dad died. So my grandfather, Loyal, died at age 26. He had cancer. And then my dad's grandfather died when my dad was 13. Um, heart attack. And his grandmother was, would always be on him about God and living by the Spirit. In fact, when my dad died uh, nine years ago, I went through, you know, there's like, I don't know if you have anybody that might be just a tinge of a hoarder, all right? I went through all my dad's like, st- like storage lockers and, you know, public storage places and I was like garage fulls of stuff and I'm just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get all through this? But anyway, I went through it and I found a box and it was letters from my great-grandmother Mabel Pleckenpole. She was born in 1895 and in the 1970s she was writing my dad letters when he was in New York um, in his 20s. He said, I'm praying for you. Don, you need to get in a good church. You need to follow God with all your heart because that's the only thing that ultimately will matter. And my dad at that time was like, whatever, you know, as most 20-somethings are. And, but when he got married and he had me, I remember being four years old in a little Lutheran church looking at a flannel graph on this little thing of just trying to figure out who Jesus is. And it started me on a journey to have an identity in Jesus so that now my four sons are going to be answered to great-grandma Mabel's prayer. That the generations of Pleckenpoles are going to be experiencing the goodness of God in the land of the living. Because she had a vision. And even when she encountered death, death of her only son, death of her husband, she didn't stop trusting God. She didn't stop praying. She leaned in. And now from heaven, she gets to get the the fruitfulness of ministry, of watching the gospel go forward. And I'm excited that one day when I get to heaven, I'll get to meet her and say, like, thank you for the prayers that activated God's will in my life. And maybe that's going to be you. Generations from now, you being 20-something you being 30-something, you being 40-something, you being 50-something, that at some point your prayers are going to like move through the generations as uh, the next generation needs, whether it's biological or spiritual, it doesn't even matter, but your prayers be activating God's will because he is a father and he wants the victory of his kingdom expanding through his people and all the shiny things that makes us go, yay, it will all grow rusty, and we'll all be in someone else's garage sale or on Facebook Marketplace, and it'll be resold over and over again until it ends up in a trash dump. That's just reality. All the fancy things are going to be one day tomorrow's trash. And so the question that I have for you this morning that I really want you to wrap your head around, how do you view God's design for his word? Are you going to be, are you going to let the enemy take it away? Are you going to let the inconvenience of life, the tribulation, persecution, make it grow weary? Are you going to let the thorns and thistles crush it, 
choke it? Or are you gonna trust ultimately in Jesus that he's gonna be faithful? Will you let the mirror of his word transform your heart and the sin to fall away and you trust Jesus? And let's take a vision for where God wants us to go. Now this morning we're gonna be taking the Lord's Supper called communion as well. And the reason why we do it, it's a vision that, that Jesus had that one day over and over again we'd be talking about what he did on the cross. Because Jesus on the night before he was betrayed took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, our soul feeds on Jesus like our body feeds on this bread. And that same night he took the cup said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember the blood that was shed on, on the cross. That's what saves us. And we have hope. That's why we sing the songs. The same words over and over and over and over again because they ring true. And while the rest of the world may get annoyed by that, we sit here and we go, no, that's my story. That's why I sing those songs. And that's why I don't get tired. And I feel like if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you this morning that maybe your first act of faith is to come and take communion as you believe that Jesus' body was given for you, as you believe that Jesus' blood was shed for you, that he was raised from the dead. That's my hope, that you would see the, the great picture of the word of God being planted in you and you one day would have a harvest of so many. That's my hope. That's my prayer. That's the cry of my heart. If you are a Christian and listen, life got hard, I want you to sit there, reflect, and go, Jesus, I have sinned. You know that 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. For the people that say, I, I don't really got anything I need to confess, you are self-deceived. You've been lying to yourself for a long time. So confess it. He said, if he, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our unrighteousness, he'll cleanse you. Come on. What are you waiting for? There's freedom here. Why hold on to the baggage of your past and the sin and the darkness? Come on. So we're going to pray. And then we're going to uh, take communion. And then listen, if there's something you're wrestling with, like, no, no, you've got some dad issues because your dad and the stuff and you need to forgive and all that. There's going to be a prayer team. They'll be up here in, in a bit after we take communion. And would you come forward and ask them to pray a father's blessing over an earthly dad situation? Or maybe just pray for the healing that you're needing in your life, in your heart, and the hope right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We worship you that you are in control. And there is nothing uh, greater than your love for us. Jesus, you, um, you take care of us. You, you never fail us. And so God, would we treat the reality of your word like gravity? That once your word gets ingested in us, that if we would receive it, it will produce a harvest. God, we just let us to trust you. Would you give us the place of just go to your word every day and, and invest in, in cultivating our own soil of our heart, that we would be transformed by your word. And Lord, give us a vision for you and your kingdom. Lord, I pray that... Um, this morning, that somebody who doesn't know you, maybe they've been, they, were, they grew up in church and they did church thing, but God, would you um, just rest your hand on their soul? They know there's something that's not right. 
And before they come and take communion, would they just mm, confess that to you? And then come. Lord, for the person that, that hasn't ever really declared you, you are Lord, would you bless them? Would their heart be made new? Would they see your goodness, God, in the land of the living as they believe that you, Jesus, died for them and rose from the dead? Holy Spirit, do a work on the church today. Let us come to you with our brokenness and would you heal us? Let us come believing that your word is going to prove faithful and fruitful in our lives. We love you, Jesus. It's all for your glory. Amen. to produce a harvest for the kingdom of God. Imagine if you took God's word as a mirror and you let it cut and you let it heal and you let it transform your life from excuses to the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine if you took God's word and you saw through the window and the vision he wanted to present to you for what your legacy might be. It would change you. It would change your family. It would change this church. It would change that city. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who love God's word, who infuse God's word, who are transformed by God's word and have a vision for God's word. Go, push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent. You are sent.